business class listeners. You're going to want to spend money when the beat drops. This is going to be a great opening song for this particular episode. Just wait till the beat drops, people. This is We Are The Good. We Are The Good. It's going to put you in a good mood. Here we go. based out of Ohio. Check out their bio here. Already having established themselves behind the scenes as a songwriting and production powerhouse, We Are The Good, made up of of Ohio native Quinton Koblenz and Virginia-raised Wes Ryder, are now prepared to step out into the forefront with styles ranging from garage house to hip hop to electro pop. It's hard to pin down what genre we are the good lives in and that's exactly how they want it i'll tell you one thing that it does make you want to do as i said earlier this is the kind of song that makes you want to spend money and again that's going to be appropriate for this particular episode because i will say this this is an episode that has confounded me a little bit i'm looking forward to having you listen to it because i hope it has the same impact that it has on you as it did on me Kelly LaFontaine, the vice president of LaFontaine Automotive Group, daughter of the founders of LaFontaine Automotive Group, is on the episode. We get to talk about investing in the community. That kind of is the crux of what we are discussing. Obviously, when you are a dealer principal, maybe this is not obvious, when you are a dealer principal, there is this implied obligation as well as a voluntary proactiveness to be involved in your community. And Kelly is in the fortunate position to constantly be inundated with requests from the, from the community. And then also, what are some of the things in the community that she and her family can help out with? So we do get to talk about the ins and outs of how she thinks about investing in the community, how does it conflict or how does it strategically align with the business. She shares some of the operations part of what she's been able to build out, though certainly one of the more profound aspects of this particular episode, which again, this is the part that confounded me, was the profoundness of this episode. I wish I could actually just play for you the very end of the episode. If you've heard previous episodes, then you know one of the last questions that I ask is a new segment called Bedroom Sessions, where I get to be intimate with my guests as much as possible to get to know them as deep down to the core as possible. So during that part of the recording... Kelly shared some things with me that I thought, again, were very profound. And then it's like reverse engineer that entire episode, and it just all makes enlightenment sense. 
So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Kelly LaFontaine of LaFontaine Automotive Group. They're an automotive group out of the state of Michigan. So she's on the episode here. Before we get to the episode, though, business class, I'm looking forward to having you hear something. Automotive Mastermind has been a partner of Wisco Weekly last year and this year, and we've been in discussions trying to finalize something very special for you all. I can't wait till we launch it. Automotive Mastermind, they're the they're a leading provider of predictive analytics and marketing automation solutions for the automotive industry. There's a hint of what we're going to be doing together. It is going to be quite nerdy, but I promise you this, it's still going to be fun. So I can't wait for you to hear what will be coming out of our collaboration together. It's going to be real fun. Be sure you're subscribed to the show. And if you want to learn more about Automotive Mastermind, visit AutomotiveMastermind.com. And also don't forget, visit the episode page. Check out We Are The Good Band. 4,700 listeners on Spotify. Follow them. Listen to them right before or during when you go shopping. Online shopping, that is. Because I'll tell you what, that, that's a song that makes you want to spend money. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Wisco Weekly. Now, let's get into the show. You are now tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Hi, bienvenidos, vitate, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly business class listeners thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show and like i promised you i have a wonderful guest that i want to introduce to you today and it fits of course the theme that i have going for this year which is make the investment you know previously we had on the show michelle corson from on the road lending and she was able to inform us some insights on what she is doing within her own business within her own community of how she's investing in her business and in in her community. The one thing that I love about the car business, the dealership space is the emphasis that they put on community. It's something that probably growing up I did not realize as much, you know, really what that meant to invest in your community, to be a part of your community. And through, you know, years of doing it myself, either being involved in little nonprofits, helping friends out, helping churches out, you do get to be a part of what your community, you know, how it grows and, and, and you can participate in. It. And it's, it's not only just a good feeling, but it gives you just a beat to how you need to exist uh, within your own city, your own municipality, your own uh, group, all that stuff. So on this particular episode today, we're going to get to hear from someone who is, you know, very lucky and certainly has, is in a position to give back to her community in which a lot of us may not have the same opportunities that she does, but hopefully we can learn, we can be inspired by some of the things that she does, and it gives us some ideas on what we can do to give back to our community. So, ladies and gentlemen, today's guest was given a gift that keeps on giving. That gift is a family business. 
a family of dealerships, as a matter of fact. LaFontaine Automotive Group is ranked number 52 according to the latest automotive news survey of the top 150 dealership groups in the United States. And a side note, the 2020 ratings of the top 150 groups will be coming out later this month. LaFontaine Automotive Group comprises of 22 franchise dealerships, three used car supercenters, seven body shops, six commercial fleet locations, and other affiliated operations, all based in the state of Michigan. In 2019, the estimated revenue of LaFontaine Automotive Group was $1.15 billion. But my guest today doesn't see so much 22 franchise stores, three used car supercenters, seven body shops, six commercial fleet locations, or $1.15 billion. What she sees is the community around LaFontaine Automotive Group. How does the community around her reflect the business? How does the business reflect the community? And where can she invest her time and money so that she can make the most impact in both areas? Here to share insights and experiences on how community investing has paid off. Men, women, and children, please welcome to the show the Vice President of LaFontaine Automotive Group and daughter of the founders, Mrs. Kelly LaFontaine. Kelly, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, you know, the first time we I came across you was through a mutual friend, LG Bright. Uh, I did a recording with LG Bright at the Women in Automotive Conference, and you had shared the episode, and I took notice of it. And as a matter of fact, it was at that moment that I started following you and following LaFontaine Automotive Group. What a small world. I mean, there's so many connections that are interconnected. It's amazing. It, it, it is amazing. And certainly, again, as I've been following you, I'm realizing that your connections run much deeper than I thought. And so that's why it's great to have you on the show to get inside your head so that we can all live out Kelly's dreamland uh, in the rest of our lives, right? <laughs> it is. I have been blessed. You hit it on the nail. So uh, the way you talked about not having it when you were younger, but getting experience at, at what, and later in your years, I actually um, was raised this way. I was very fortunate, very blessed. You hit it the nail. Lucky we are forever grateful for my parents instilling in us. And we didn't realize it at the time, but we were, our Thanksgivings were working the Knights of Columbus and we were selling programs at the line games and you know we sold tootsie, uh, tootsie rolls on the side of the streets and you know just always there was a night you know like special olympics my dad brought us to and my mom you know the door-to-door -door and the community when she got into the business of knocking on the doors and saying hey i'm your dealer and let me know if i can help any way shape or form i'm here for you so i watched that um my brother and i had uh a complete blessing to ever, ever, ever say that this is something that is, we understood that it was unique. We understood that, um, that we, as the older you get, and especially when you have children, you realize that, and then having that piece of it. So when I came into the workforce, it was so important to me. My husband would always say, you know, you're volunteering everywhere, you know, you're running every nonprofit, you're doing all these things, you're costing me money staying home, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. I'm like, what? <laughs> but I truly believe in it. I felt that it was second nature to me. And it was something that, you know, I dragged my kids when they were little and they've done it to now they're sitting on boards of nonprofits. So they understand, the best way to describe it is my mom and I, my mom and dad always said, if you are blessed in life, you better make sure it's your passion to bless others. 
And that is how we lived our motto. So it instilled in our company of the growth. Uh, we can say as a family, we wouldn't be where we are today, not only with 1,700 passionate employees that help us within the communities and connect us, but also the community. So each and every one of those people out there that means something, we make a personal connection to find out what's going on in the community, what is important to them, what is going, like as far as sitting on the boards of chamber commerces, um, getting them active involved in like the, anything, anything that's important in the communities. Ryan and I are there. We want to know, um, they know, I just had a customer come in and say, you know, I'm here today because of what you do in the community. And that means a lot to me. It touches my heart. So I think that it's twofold. We wouldn't be the success that we've had and being, you know, number one in Michigan or, you know, like we just had the number one Buick dealership in the nation last week and had the amazing ceremony, but we hundred percent couldn't have said any of those without our people. Our people make us grow and our community makes us grow. And it's how you treat them and how you support them. It goes twofold. And I believe in that. And that's how our success from my parents' generation to Ryan Nye's generation and hopefully continuing on to the next generation. That's how we lead. We lead with our heart. We lead with their passion. And we just keep going forward saying, how can we support? What can we do next? So two things I want to follow up on. First thing is with regards to your husband, and him saying that you're costing me money. Did you give him the line like, hey, babe, do you know who I am? <laughs> well, you got to remember, I met my husband when I was 17. So he doesn't oh, care Lord. who I am. <laughs> He's, uh, well, but no. Well, so this is, so, well, then the second thing is, so you had mentioned that, you know, your your parents had instilled in you that, you know, Kelly, you're, you have a blessed life and it's in, it's it's your responsibility to in return bless other people's lives. And that's kind of at the heart of what I what I want to get to with you, because, look, the reality here, Kelly, is not everyone has been given the opportunity to, you know, I, I'm going to I'll define it as saying this idea of generational wealth. Right. I, I, there, I forget. Let me see who said it. I forget who said it, but there was the, it made me think really hard and, and kind of rethink this idea of generational wealth where it's like, you know, at some point you need people in this world who don't have to work every single day to put money on the table. You there there are people that there's there's almost this higher calling, this higher cause to what they can do and they can do that because they're not constrained to always you figure out how to make a paycheck. And then so what what that ends up doing is it, it they do get to grow and be a part of their community and invest in things that, you know, disadvantaged people are undergoing and and help better people's lives. So so if if we can get to know you a little bit better here, if we were if if I ask you here, you know, what would be a community involvement, an organization that really defines who Kelly is. Describe that for me. Um, twofold. So something that I personally did, um, we co-founded a nonprofit. It's called You Can Survive Foundation. And what that is, is actually um, right here in Michigan, we partnered with local hospitals that do grants or looking for grants to find a cure for cancer. So we want to give somebody a fighting chance. We've had it personally hit many people in my family and we not that we're not working day to day. My brother and I work, you know, unfortunately it comes with us every single day, you know, the powers of electronics and phones and everything else that comes with you on vacations, it comes with you everywhere. But, um, 
it's really, that really defines me of saying, um, it wasn't like I wanted to say, oh, I have extra time. Let's create a nonprofit. There was a lot of work, a lot of different avenues to be able to go in it. But what drove that was I wanted 100% of the profits to go directly to research. And I wanted to surround myself because I had so many people coming within the communities and so many people coming and sharing their personal life stories with me that I really felt that together, if we unite, like we can be so much more powerful, like we can move mountains if we can all get together and do it from our hearts and do it from the right place. So not one person takes a salary. We find times in the nights, weekends, crazy times and, and, and connect with it and make sure that this moves forward. And we've defined it from 2016 to now, and it just keeps growing. And every single person that sits on my committee and my board are just amazing, unique individuals that feel like we can make a difference and we can help and getting that together, we can make a bigger difference. So we love seeing that. We love the partnerships within the hospitals. It led to me actually sitting on a board of one of my hospitals. So there's so many ways that, and I'm not any way doctorate or any kind of technology or any way of that shape or form, but for me, it was important to figure that out to make a personal connection when someone actually gives me money and say, okay, well, where's it going? It's not going down a deep tunnel that's paying for rent or this or that. I really want to be transparent with it. And I really want to make sure that it's going directly to the research. So I think that's one of the things that the community gets involved in. They help support all of the events that we have. They help support the volunteers days that we have. So there's, I think that's the one that I'm very passionate about. Um, but there's so many more, like if you're looking in one community that we grew up in, like we, it's really important for me to carry on not only my mom's legacy, but the family's legacy and what they, they're, we're just so incredibly proud and proud and blessed to be raised underneath them. So for us, like in our downtown community where they, they started their business is in Milford and we have, they came to us with a need with, they needed a LaFontaine or they needed an amphitheater. We actually named it out of legacy for my parents. They, they needed a what? It was an amphitheater. So the amphitheater, oh, amphitheater was downtown. Uh-huh. It's amazing. It's absolutely beautiful. They host a lot of different events. They even host weddings. So it's funny when you see an invitation that says hosted at LaFontaine Amphitheater. I'm like, who would ever thought this would happen? But, <laughs> you know, and there's the movie theater. So we have a downtown movie theater. We have the classic cars in downtown Milford. And it was struggling through COVID. And they came to us and said, hey, we need help. Or just a small, tiny little movie theater. It's very vintage. And I said, hey, classic motors will we'll, we'll help fund it. Let's figure this out. So we have dog parks in there. We have a skate park. So what was important to the community? They know they can come to us first and we're hundred percent behind them. So I think that's where we have a great connection, but in getting involved in the chambers and getting involved in all of those things, help us know. So we really know what is important, what is going and how to create the spaces around you and support the people around you for all of their children and, and, and then generations to come, you know? So I often run into entrepreneurs that want to do a combination of, you know, have a successful business, but simultaneously, you know, be involved in the community. And sometimes that those two areas overlap. So for instance, um, I know someone who has this nonprofit where she works with a lot of high school kids and, and developing leadership skills. I'm curious, though, on your end, you know, you have a for-profit business, and then you have these nonprofits that you either started or, or you're a part of. How do you look at the intersection of where private business and and the nonprofits come together? Or do you do you take more of a 51%, you know, private business mindset of like, okay, I only want to invest in these organizations because they give back to the business? 
or are you looking at, well, let me just see what's the need in the community. And if it just by chance happens to benefit the business, so much better. So we've never looked at it saying tit for tat. I've never looked at its company and said, hey, I'm going to give you whatever this dollar amount is, or I'm going to give you a lead team of my volunteers or my people. And I'm going to support you and endorse you because you have to buy a car for me. That's never been it. That is something that is a great, I'm here if you need me. And if it's not something, it's that was never, ever drive it. For me, it's something that we're personal, that we've actually done the research. We make sure that it is a need. We make sure that all the money is going in the right spots because that's really important to us. We've had over the times realizing that we've raised money um, and we had to redirect it, you know, and say, okay, well, we had raised a million dollars for a commitment that we had and we found out it was going everywhere else, but where we wanted it for the research side of it. So we found out there was a way to go to the higher power and say, this isn't okay we're not okay. We made this commitment and we follow through with our commitment, but it has to go in Michigan. What are our options? And we want to meet the doctors and what is this option? And, you know, so sometimes you have to make a stance, but because of that made me create and develop Ryan and I and co-found a nonprofit, but within the community, you really know everyone. You, this is something where I walk down in the town or I do anything. It's, it's, everyone knows your name, you know, everyone else. It's so, we can't say that in every single community because we obviously, you see how many we have, and we, but we do have a, a grassroots team that we call it our team of angels and they work underneath me. And I have everyone that when we started this apartment, um, gosh, I remember I kept saying we need to start it. And my brother's like, what are you doing? No, <laughs> I'm like, it's a great one. He's like, that one spends more money. See, like just my husband. I'm like, yes, yeah, so I, so this is the curious. So that's actually what I'm curious about. So again, th- there's almost this balance here. Then, so you have your brother and your yeah. husband. Seems like there's a, a guy problem you have in your life. <laughs> no, I love them both. <laughs> love them. I would my, my so, brother's. Uh, I stood up in his wedding as his best man. So no, I have. A, oh, that's a awesome. Love and awesome. respect for these guys. So yes. <laughs> Well, okay. So tell me about that then. So on one hand, again, you, you come up, you're, you're coming with these ideas to, let's say your brother, who's also your business partner. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, Hey, we need to invest in X community, you know, initiative. Your brother's like, it's going to cost us money. Tell me about those conversations. How do you, how do you get through to then, you know, moving forward with what, you know, your, what you want to do essentially? So that was, so my brother has a generous heart. So at least remember, we're both raised together the same way. So I, that's an obstacle, at least with a generous heart, that's amazing. But what I wanted to do, and I saw a need was, I wanted to create and develop a grassroots department. So it was not something, a normal sales, F&I, you know, within my business, there's very black and white positions. And this was not one of those. This was before the BDC came involved. This was before any of those evolutions of creating, you know, thinking outside the box for these new departments. So So it was an initiative that I had where I didn't want my, sometimes my general manager wouldn't be making the same decision or the highest power that's running one of these stores, making the same decision that I would. And if this is our money and this is what's going out there, I want to have a a team of people that represents me with the LaFontaine way. And it's a standards that we have, you know, and it's making sure that our philosophy and our mission is actually getting done in each of those facilities and not not facilities, but those communities. So for me, that's what drove it. And I saw the need where, because we kept getting expand and we kept expanding and it was becoming more than just our back door. And with expanding, we had to make sure that we were putting ourselves and our name and our reputation out in these other communities, exactly the way we want it within the back door. So I needed to train. I needed to make sure that they 
you know, and every one of them has worked for me for over 10 years or this, you know, like since this department started. So I call them Achievement Angels. They're an amazing uh, group of individuals that go out there and they really care. They really make sure that they get involved in, and, and this is how I empower them. And I say, you know, what is personal to you? It's just because cancer research is my hat button and I, you know, belong to, you know, a lot of cancer organizations. What makes you tick. And I want to make sure that I empower them. So if it's another organization, say, you know, it's, you know, Special Olympics, or if it's anything else, that they have the time and opportunity to get involved in it, support it, volunteer, do whatever they can. But then they also carry out the same kind of events and, you know, get involved in the Chamber of Commerces, get involved in the Rotaries, the Optimists, what's in their community to find out to get the pulse in the heart of it. So this team, um, there's right now seven individuals for all those 21 stores. So they represent and divide out the territory. So um, that was one of those obstacles where I kept saying, yes, yes, yes. And now, you know, fast forward, it's an amazing department. Everyone knows like this is what it's going to happen. It goes, we have an accrual count that sets up for it. They know that this is when they're going to get done. So if somebody comes, the general managers know this is their partner and their partner is going to help them and guide them to support. And, you know, like the World Kindness Day, we went and passed out, you know, little uh, gift cards to coffees and passed them all out. Well, they brought the general manager or sales manager with them and they represented our community the right way. You know what I mean? Supporting the communities in the right way. So first off, Brilliant. Wow. That that's that is something that I've never heard before where you if I understand correctly, you what you started with was this grassroots team in which in a lot of ways they're still grassroots team. But do I understand correctly that essentially they became a board of directors for you that helped guide some of the decisions that, you know, you make the business make so that, again, you guys you have a beat now in the community. Is that how I understand that then? Very, very much so. And the, one of the things that are, one of the challenges, because in Michigan, not all our stores are within 10 minutes of each other. There's some that are an hour here, an hour and a half there, some two hours from the next one, but they were all within this region. But what I wanted to make sure it's one unit. So yes, they represent this territory, say it's the Lansing territory or the whatever that is. I wanted to run it as one. So if somebody needs support, we're there for each other. If somebody has a great idea and they're supporting the local restaurants and this is a great initiative, I wanted it to be seamless. So one of the things you had to overcome is connecting them all. We do a lot of like um, grassroots initiative together is where we've, you know, help with, you know, houses and buildings and volunteers. So really in our meetings, obviously those help as well. So they, there's a team and they really are the most supportive, loving team that, you know, I want to make sure when you come into this position, you, that, that, that one for sure, that you lead with your heart and that they actually have true intentions of making a difference in their community and supporting their communities. So this is where I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, pitch and sell you as a, uh, you know, as a benefactor here. So like when you and your team of angels gather for your meetings, um, you know, quarterly, annually, monthly, whatever it may be, do you make decisions kind of, uh, you know, is there like a particular time of year that you're like, okay, this is, we're going to get together for, you know, January 15th and make our decisions on what initiatives we want to invest in the community for the next six months or a year do you have that kind of yes very on? much so yeah tell, tell so me about what that. we do um we usually do um our forecasts are usually the first of december the first week of december for the year out 
And uh, like I said, this hits the financial statements. This is a department. This is a you know accrual, so they have to be prepared for it. So usually in November, um, we always do um, a meeting together. Well, actually, it leads up to that. They're due what they want to do, what their initiative is, um, if they're going to change from last year, or they want to change and support something like this, or the same thing, the reasons why, and we go one-on-one with each one of the individuals, and we literally sit through their budgets. We have a share file that can always see what's going on, you know, and then COVID happened sometimes, the, the events were canceling, and I was still here, so they were mm-hmm. like, is my money up in the cloud? Where is it? You know, mm-hmm. but they have to have it done, so by January 1st, they know exactly what they're going to do for the next year, the big events, the big, you know, community things that are going out there any of that aspect of it how they're going to do connections within them support like multi-chamber things anything like that as well as there's a community slush fund because there's always something that comes in so you have that base for they know that they can empower saying hey i chose to do this and this and this with my my slush fund with that aspect of it so yes 100 percent it's funny. I know exactly what I'm doing this whole summer. Like if you look at my calendar, I have it all booked for the whole year. <laughs> I know what's going on. Well, you know, one thing that I think about, and again, I, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank here on where I heard this, but it was, so I remember hearing that every Thanksgiving, this family would get together and they would decide for the following year where to allocate all their funds and what initiatives to to partake in. And so that sounds like, you know, again, that's when you're describing this operation of, of how you forecast what community groups, what organizations you want to partake in, that to me, that's what I'm thinking about is like, okay, this is like the meeting of the minds here. And then you get to, you know, have these great, wonderful idea sessions and figure out where's the best way to invest time and money. And then you you move forward. That's collaboration. I feel like you work the best and the most innovative ideas come out of a group setting that you collaborate and listen and say, okay, let's, let's throw it out at the wall and let's come back and say, what are we going to do? Or what made you feel good? Or what did you do? I think that I feed off a of collaboration. I feel like it, it's just, it's a hundred percent the way I set and the way I roll and the way we run our organization is through a leadership team as well as this. So any kind of aspect of it, I think we, we do better. Like Ryan and I always tease each other. You know, some people are intimidated if to hire somebody smarter than them or any of that. We surround ourselves with the very, very best that they can outdo us. And I'm like, let me find him. He knows. <laughs> I'm like, this is somebody that's going to be specialist in this because he's going to strengthen me and I'll help strengthen him in any way, shape or form. So we always um, surround ourselves with the, hopefully the biggest and the brightest to, you know, to make sure the team's stronger. So I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit here. Ooh, okay? okay. Oh yeah. All right. Let's, 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 let's see here. So if we are looking at your team of angels and again, I, I, I want other people, I want other business executives to learn from this. So if we are looking okay. at your team of angels, what are some of the more genius level ideas, initiatives that have been proposed to you that you were like, wow, I did not know that that existed, that that was an opportunity. Okay, let's move forward with it. There's so many things like if for me to pinpoint it to one, like I just told you world kindness day to go out there in your community and do something positive and actually hand them something free and let them know that you're out and doing those things that came from one of my, uh, my angels going into, um, volunteering in any kind of level that you can or getting involved into like the hospitals and finding out how you can integrate and become a partner and what you can do. And before COVID, you could actually go and actually um, do ride and drives and do all these things and be their concierge programs that all came from their connections of what they're doing. 
Um, I think another thing, so if you're looking at a community, my biggest thing is I look at education, you know, the school systems and how can I support and what's going on within the school systems, because that's very important. It's the heart of the community there, the children, it's your future. Um, then you look at hospitals, anything like that, with you looking at um, police, you know, uh, firemen, what's going on, you know, during COVID, we had a relationship here where I'm like, who's feeding who? Like that, we kept having coming back and forth of who was doing that. So if you're really looking at all of that, and then the Chamber of Commerce is very um, important. I think it's an, getting involved and finding out what's going on with other business leaders in your group um, is important to know how the next generation or what's going on or what's coming up um, and staying and keeping a pulse of your community. So as crazy busy entrepreneurs that we're talking to right now, if you could do one thing, I would say make sure that you connect with your chamber of commerce and find out what's important that's going on in their community. The next thing I would find out, like if is there is something going on at the schools or the hospitals or like those kind of things at an upper level that you can and not um, this is the first thing that I always say, and I, some of my you know, competitors don't do this and it amazes me. I, I've been at events because I go to all of them, but I can, obviously you can't go to everything or I have representation that goes. So if we sponsor something, it's never just monetary. So 100% food for thought, and I can give this best advice to anyone is if you're going to be a presenting sponsor or a top sponsor, or even a whole in one sponsor, if you're not, or a representative of you is not there, it's just throwing money out the door. People like to do business with people they know and they connect with. So I, I mean, I've said in a, like at a golf event that I told you I was, a, you know, on the board, my brother was on the board. I'm not a big golfer, but I went because I wanted to support them and do all that. We worked the whole, and I had one of the volunteers like, Hey, you guys are here. So-and-so had nobody here and they're doing the whole one. Hey, you have this kind of a store. Do you? I'm like, yeah, we do. They're like, here's the lead. And they gave me their lead. I'm like, well, thanks. I'll make sure we follow up on them. And so that's where they don't realize people really, you make those connections, you know, going in life, they are lifelong. Like how you said with LG and us and this and that, you don't realize how connected we are in the world. And it's really important to deep dive in it, go with the right intentions and make those connections that because you don't know right now, you may be thriving and want to, you know, find out how you can connect, but there could be time where you never know, like COVID happened, where you'd be the one on the other end of these restaurants. We were helping with GoFundMe's or all of this. You never saw that coming. So the people that are pillars and leaders that sponsoring the communities, all of a sudden the community surrounded around them and help them and support them. I know that, you know, I know one of our restaurants got off a half a million dollars just from the community supporting it, you know? So hmm. those are important, um, important to thrive and, and to overcome these like adversity coming through these crazy times that you never know, you know? I, I, I love how you kind of disclose the competitive strategy there of, you know, ensuring that if, 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 anyone is going to be sponsoring anything that they should have representation at that event. And I certainly, you know, having worked in the uh, higher education fundraising field, I know firsthand that many sponsors tend to just basically write you a check and then, you know, you don't see them until you have to hit them up the next year for the check. And, you know, we in the fundraising world, when I worked in that realm, we we called that the go away gift. It was the, hey, you know, I was at UC Irvine at the time. Hey, UC Irvine Athletics, uh, you're looking for your $10,000 check from us. Here's $10,000. Here you guys go away. We'll see you next. Yeah. We'll see you next year. And it's it's very and true. And we put out by 
Yeah, it's very true. If you don't have that representation, then you're never, even if you have to send a, a representative, even if you're not the person, the, if, if, if you're not the, you may be the signer of the check, but if you're not the actual one being at the event, like you really have no beat again on, on what, wh- either where your money is going or, or what the community is up to. Very much so. Like we do a teacher of the year program um, through all of our communities. And we actually do first, second and third. In the first place, they get a car. Second place, they get money towards second and third. They get money towards their, their classrooms. And we don't pick the, you know, the, the school districts do that. Um, you know, and they do this whole, you know, amazing thing. And then we come in and do, we get to be the, you know, glorified, you know, happy moment, you know, for everyone, we get to come to their, uh, usually with COVID it's a little bit different, but they have this initiative that they do their onboarding that day. But what stemmed from that this year is we had one of the teachers that was a recipient from us. We had a great connection, you know, and we reached out to us and said, Hey, I'm a special ed teacher. I have a family right now that that's a single mom that has four kids that's struggling. Like you would not believe, and I don't know what they're going to do about Christmas or bills and our whole, um, organization, you know, and said, okay, well, let's figure this out within our one store in the community. We had everyone raising money, every department raised for each of the kids. We had Santa dressed up and went and delivered it. I personally went with all of our managers that could, that came and per- they, I had my service manager buying. He's like, oh my God, I hope I bought the right thing. It was a girl. I don't know. I got, I got my little one, but she's only one, you know, and, and they cared so much that this tree, I mean, it would overflowed and these smiles. And then, so you wouldn't have known that or helped somebody in your personal community without having those connections. You know, if you just would have sent the check out, how would you ever know? And that's something that will, will carry on with me forever. Like that warmed my heart and touched my heart and said, okay, let's, you know, um, let's give back. Let's keep on going. You know? God, it's like uh, when you talk about that, that feel good. Um, or do you follow, uh, do you know who Dave Portnoy, Portnoy is uh, from Bar? No, Barstool but I need Sports? to write him down. Well, Dave what? Dave Portnoy. He, he's the CEO of Barstool Sports and it's. Oh, uh, yes. My children. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I follow him on Instagram and it's just amazing that, you know, for all the content that he does publish and produce, the ones that really, you know, like you, you can't help but tear up sometimes is the one where he is making those calls and giving money out to these small businesses. And he's able to see that impact that he's making. And again, it is really kind of, it is a feel good moment. And and I will add this too. And, and again, this is something that I, I realized working in the fundraising space and at first I thought it was, well, that doesn't sound good. But when you think about it deeper, it's like, well, that's that's probably the way it should be. And that is when somebody does give money, it it kind of is a bit of a selfish act. But again, that selfish act is still rooted in this genuineness of wanting to, you know, they, they feel great and empowered wanting to help others. You know, for me, I, I think it's I don't really think of it as a selfish act. I think maybe because of the way my perception and just my optic of growing up, it was just instilled in me in a little bit different way. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like I said, if I ever, like we always joke, if you ever retire in life, I'm like, I told my husband, I would never retire. retire. I'd, be on, I'd be on 10 boards. I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? You know? So I, um, I very much thrive on that. I very much, there was one point where you have to learn the life balance. You know, I sat on too many boards and I had three kids at three different schools and this and that, you know, so you have to find that balance of saying, okay, well, I can do this and X and Y and Z, but I can't beat everything at everyone. You know, that, that does become a stream, but you find that within it. You're like, okay, I'm at overload because we do work every single day, you know? So, um, 
But yeah, I just, I can't think of another world. Um, you know, I have like my daughter sits on our nonprofit. Um, we're doing like this drive for the cure and my boys have done it before and they're sitting there, you know, and one has a racetrack and they bring their cars out and they bring their friends out and um, cancer patients get to go in laps. And so it's connecting the car, but there's no, uh, it's the most unselfish thing. You, you're bringing your cars out there. You just want to see somebody smile like that. That's just important to me. You're not asking them what kind of payment they want after they take a drive. No, never, <laughs> never. And usually what you have to find too is, um, you know, one of the girls, when she first started working for me, this was uh, gosh, years ago. Um, she's like, I feel like I have a target on my back. Everyone knows that you guys sponsor everything. So they keep coming to me with all these things. I really just thought they liked me. I'm like, well, they like uh, you. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, she was, I told you leave with your heart. She was taking it personal. She's like, I just think they like me because they wanted to give me this piece of paper. I'm like, you have to weed through that and go through the even flows of it all. But yes, yeah, sometimes you go to an event and they know you sponsor, they're going to come after, <laughs> you know, they're going to Watch your support. Okay, so I'm sure there's numerous things that you'll be able to point to, but like, what would be the first thing that comes to mind when you look at all the investing you've done in the community? And mind you, you know, business class listeners, mind you, this is not something that has that that Kelly and, and the LaFontaine Automotive Group has just did two years ago, kind of thing. They've been investing in the community for for a long, long time now two, three, four, five decades kind of thing, right? So, so Kelly, it, as you look at all this investments you've done in the community, what has those, what has the outcomes or the results produced for the business? For the business, uh, see, you're looking at twofold. I think that it's helped us grow the business. I really do. Um, but it wasn't why we were doing it. It's just, like I said, it was something that, um, the grassroots initiative sitting there knocking on doors saying, hey, we're here for you and then listening. And then sometimes those listenings open the doors to the next doors that need the next thing. So I think the most important thing is we encourage and empower our employees to 100% volunteer. And sometimes not only monetary, sometimes they need the manpower. They need somebody's voice. They they need that their own movement. So if we can help and provide and give those times off or do those kind of things that they need to give that movement to somebody, I think like our family is only one person or one family, but if you empower and instill and inspire, like you said, you hit it on the nail. If you inspire others to get involved, I think that'll grow and take a life of its own than anything else. You know, and if you circle it around into our, our, um, our business, we do business with people we know in our business. So it's a nice connection as well. So you sit there and say, okay, well, I just met, you know, so-and-so and his business is this. Well, maybe I can help you with this if you want to help this. So it opens a lot of doors as well in, in our organization. So it's just not um, just selling a car or servicing a car or a body shop, or like I said, it's, it's well-rounded, you know, and, and the one thing that I can say that our pride and our, our hearts is that our family holds their head high. And we know that, um, you know, if there's anything we can do in the community, that's what we want. And we want to be able to support it. And we're blessed. Like you said, we hit it on the nail. We're so blessed to be able to do it, but it goes two folds where we're, we feel just as much blessed in there to me, getting to know each of the communities and getting to know, um, getting to know them and helping them and seeing them in my showroom. Like, Hey, how are you doing this and this and this? It's so great. And having those connections, I think we very much thrive on that. So you had mentioned something there with regards to how the effect of community investing has also helped the business grow. One thing that you and I had mentioned previous to this recording here was that you, LaFontaine Automotive Group, is in acquisition mode. Very much so. 
Can you, can you, maybe, can you talk? Oh, I love the smile that puts on your face there. Can you? Yes. Well, you know what I thought of, you know, my mom, literally, she's like, what shiny penny? She's like, she comes in and this is, like I said, my mom's 4'11", 100 pounds wet, dynamite little blonde. And she comes in and she's, you know, scratching her palm and she's like, what shiny penny? I know my, my hand's itching. What shiny penny are you guys after? And you didn't tell me about, you know, she was so cute. So we are in acquisition mode. Um, We're in the growth, the growth mode right now, very much. So, so back at rewind it, my mom and dad, my dad started the business. Obviously he, um, he came from a family, a very large family, six brothers and him. They didn't come from a lot of money and they didn't come from all that. He actually mortgaged our house when we had my my parents had four children, mortgaged the house to actually put in his first acquisition, his first investment. So he was ride or die, you know, this is it. And if not, then we're going to have to figure out where else we're going to go. But I, you know, they took a leap of faith and obviously that leap of faith, if they didn't make that decision would not be, you know, 1700 family members um, thanking him, you know, and doing mm-hmm. that. So that's very important. Um, but doing that was hard work, drive, dedication, you know, all of that aspect of it. But I don't know. I, I just, we are very much from that point to my mom in 84. So four years later, fast forward, she was a stay-at-home mom and then got into running the business and said very much so, very honest, like, I don't know anything about a car or selling the business, but I'm going to make it real simple. I'm going to knock on doors, tell them I'm here and I'll do whatever I can. And I will, whatever they ask me, I might not have the answers, but I'll find them and we'll make it together. And you know, that, that store was so small, it sold 50 cars a month or a, a year. And she sold that within a month. And she's like, I have no more inventory. What's next? You guys make this so hard. <laughs> she's like, this is easy. You know, so she just was a spitfire that way. So we grew up with my mom's, you know, um, aspect and my dad's aspect of wowing the customers and rolling out the customers and rolling out the red carpet of my mom and to my dad of, you know, don't be afraid to ask for the sale. Don't be, you know, afraid of this. And so that as we grew up, fast forward, uh, my family grew up that way. And then when we came out of college, that's where the acquisition mode came. That's when they said, okay, we have a team. We could be supportive. They raised us and wanted to be very much involved in all of our sports and our, you know, anything that was important to us. And the only way they can do that with raising four children was staying where they were. And then having that opportunity and building that relationship and building that their, their name helped us sustain and keep on growing to the next level. And um, we are at pace um, right now. I mean, we, we always look at everything, anything that comes at us, we look at the pros and cons, we build a performer, we see if it's something that is important or something that would be important for us to move forward, because there's a lot of time and energy in, in that aspect of it. But we're always looking, um, we're in a pattern, um, we actually through COVID, we looked at one and actually bought it when COVID ended. And uh, we, we, I think we were the only one in COVID that was actually buying stores instead of, you know, slowing them down and selling them. Um, but we're on a pace of one to two a year is pretty much what we can do. The year we actually, we bought um, two and it came out with one was a, a family member. It came, a wife that lost her husband and came to us. So it wasn't something we were looking for. And then another one, same thing, had um, some health issues and was looking to retire early. So both of them, we did an acquisition literally June and July of one year. We were looking at two other ones. So these weren't even the ones that we were looking at. So we realized growing too fast, you're only as good as your people. So we had to slow down and say, what can we do and how do we instill it in the pace that we're not spreading our people too thin? We're not building the next, you know, you're only as good as your replacement. So if we're not training and building and empowering and, you know, teaching the key of everything, we're a very transparent company. We show our financial statements to every manager there is to help train them to be the next best person, you know? So I think that um, that in itself was a life lesson. So we know our pace is one to two a year that we can handle, that we know that within, you know, having almost 1,700 employees, 
that we can develop and go to the next one. And like we told you, even down to, you know, recruiting Ryan and I to get at the, the career fair and my daughter and everyone were sitting there at the career fair recruiting the next generations, you know, of saying, hey, we're only as good as the next one's coming in the door. So we really look at the entry level all the way to the senior level. And we don't just pour in the senior level and send them to dealer academies or this or that. We start, you know, and investing in the big program. So we have about 150 to 200,000, depending on just our internship program that we invest in every year as well. So this is something that we believe in, that you have to strengthen yourself before you can grow. So uh, we'll, uh, we're, I want to get to that in a moment, too, with regards to a lot of the investments uh, that you've done in Northwood University starting when you were a student. But so in terms of the acquisition mode, um, so you, you guys did buy a store last year in 2020. You're looking mm-hmm. to, again, acquire, and you said you had mentioned, or, you know, you, you were doing a one to two acquisitions a year. Um, is there... Well, I know that's from a business perspective, you're always open to anything, but is there anything that maybe would be a little bit different in how you're looking to make any acquisition? So meaning that, you know, maybe it's not a dealership, you know, maybe it's, it, maybe it's the, maybe it's expanding on the body shop. Maybe it's not the body shop. Maybe it's some other affiliated business. Are you allowed to disclose? (laughs) <laughs> no, we're, we, I mean, some of the stuff, no, obviously that we're going on in our future, but you know, in 08, if you look at what we invested in 08, um, we had our parts director at the time as a parts manager now became the director came to us and said, I needed to invest in, you know, $2 million in parts. I have this facility. It's, you know, 86,000 square foot. It's a hundred percent a warehouse. I want to be a wholesaler and we're going to get into this. And we're like, okay, do you realize it's 08? We just locked Pontiac. We just built our biggest dealership, you know, you know, and we're like, okay, let's, but knowing that we said we took a leap of faith and said, yes, I believe in him. I believe in his vision. So we're always looking outside the box. So we have a global division, like I told you, that's completely a procurement company. And, you know, that's what we do on the other side of it, where we're looking at always, you know, uh, is it, um, we started this past year to LaFontaine Direct, you know, LaFontaine Direct is more of a used car centers, more of the ways to look forward to say, how can we compete with the Carvanas or what does this look like? So it's actually having these centers located within our regions for them. So we're always constantly, we, we bought an old facility. Like I told you, we have our own media department, not because Ryan and I wanted to run a media department. It was because we did so much investment in advertising and him and I were the ones doing it all. And there was a disconnect with an ad agency and us. They weren't getting the heart of us. So we thought if we create our own, they'll understand our passion, they'll understand our people, they don't understand our ways. So those are the things that, you know, we're always out additional to. So yes, hundred percent. Okay. So let's, I want to pivot now to Northwood University. Um, okay. I've been learning more about Northwood University uh, starting when I met LG uh, again, maybe about a year and a half ago or so. Uh, I had a really good discussion with Randy Kobat from Cox Automotive to inform me all the, um, you know, partnership initiatives that uh, Cox Automotive does with Northwood University. I think it's going to be interesting from your perspective because you were not only a student of Northwood, but you've also you're also a parent of a child at Northwood or children at Northwood. So let's, let's, let's kind of give context here. Describe for me student life when you were at Northwood university. Okay. Um, and, and, I and went student to... life was what, like five years ago, right? 
<laughs> I wish. Like, yes, no, no, no. When I went to Northwood, this is what's going to date me. I was actually, my freshman year was in 93 and it was actually Northwood Institute. So it was actually my sophomore year that it actually became a university. So I was, you know, we were moving up in the world there. Um, but it was very much at the, like, if you're looking at my peers in the high school and everything, oh, you're going to a dealer daughter, son and daughter school. This is all dealerships. It's all dealer minded. I like that aspect of it thinking, yeah, well, if I know where I'm going, I better learn from the best and I want to, you know, strive and be successful. So this is where I need to be. Um, but I was fortunate enough to know what I wanted in my career path. So at the time it was not anything where if you're looking and not undecided, this wasn't going to give you the avenues unless, you know, that aspect of it. Um, stayed in the dorms my freshman year, sophomore year, actually went out and, you know, um, and into the campus, but it was, I was blessed. I had my brother and my, um, my older brother and then my younger brother. So we kind of all paved the way. So, um, kind of gave me, he was two years older than me was already in there. So I had the ins and outs of, you know, what to do, what not to do, who to, you know, and they had the auto shows. So that was amazing getting on teams and actually, you know, soliciting people to get the cars there to actually putting on your own exhibit from outdoors. So I thrived in that aspect. I loved it. Um, and then I did two years there and then went into a dealer academy aspect of it because I really wanted hands on and I wanted to be, you know, like, give me the department, department, department. I need to learn the business, you know, like they can give you a great concept and the great um, aspect of it. Fast forward it. So both my son and daughter went there. My daughter just graduated. She actually did an accelerated program and graduated in three years, you know, and completely, completely proud of her. And, and what they did was meeting LG and the connections they have, the opportunities that they had compared to what I had is, I really feel like the teachers, the professors really take a personal interest and care about connecting them in real world. They bring everyone like Cox and Moto, they bring us, they bring anyone you can imagine. These are gonna be your platform children. This is what we have out there. These are the great, I'm opening the doors for you. And they're coming in doing presentations or they're doing one-on-ones or they're doing um, speaking events or they're at NADA seeing it on a level where it's opening the doors. Cause I know when you go to the conference, it's overwhelming. Can you imagine guided through of this, you know, algae that knows everyone. He's like, yeah, this is, this is, this is this, you know? So that he's really paving the way and opening the doors for them. And he cares the internship programs and helping us structure it. And how can we make sure? And um, it, it is. So I think that the, they have more of a business school aspect of it. So it really is not anymore in our world. There's a say it's a, a dealer's son school or dealer's sons and daughter school. It very much is a business school. Um, if you're looking at getting anything, um, whether your master's program or anything, it really is there, whether you're looking at finance, um, everything you can imagine. They have fashion design. They have, so they really catered it to saying, hey, we're going to be the elite crop of the crop, and this is how we're going to get there. So I, I 100% endorse it, 100% um, the partnerships that we have out of it through the years. We've always kept connected. We've always, you know, whatever they needed it sponsored, they've uh, done some amazing accolades for my mom and uh, winning a uh, women business and all these great things. But um, but it's keeping connected. We sponsor a lot of their um, cars because obviously we have more car lines. So if one of the interns is like, hey, I'm on the Volvo team. Can you bring, can I, can you sponsor my Volvos and get them all up here? And this is what the display is going to look like. And I need shirts, this, this, this. And they spend a little bit of their internship actually helping them and supporting them and, and giving them a leg up of it. You know, like, hey, yeah, what do you need? So I think um, I have to say that it's it's going to be leaps and bounds of what it is now from when I went there to what it is now. And I'm sure it's going to keep on growing. But I think that uh, you easily can tell how much 
uh, energy and enthusiasm you have for Northwood University. I, I, I think I clocked your words per minute there at about uh, 240 words per minute. So you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, so, so, so initially Northwood University or Northwood Institute was more known as a dealer school. Um, and now they've evolved to be more of a, you know, a, a, an all encompassing, more of an inclusive university. Your kids have gone there. Your daughter just graduated. There's more opportunities. I mean, this is not, uh, easy to, um, this, this is easy to analyze in that because Northwood University is in Michigan and LaFontaine Automotive Group is in Michigan, you definitely get to mm-hmm. benefit more than a lot of other companies and auto groups and whatnot that aren't in Michigan. You have made some good investments in Northwood University, including an internship program. Can you talk about your internship mm-hmm. program that you, you got, yeah, that LaFontaine Automotive Group has over there? Yes. So it all started with uh, Ryan and I talking, there's a disconnect. So everyone that comes in at entry level where you're like, that's 18, 19, 20 year old, like coming into the dealership, what are you going to do with someone that's inexperienced? You have them as a porter, then you're a glorified porter or you're, there's no way to get them into the whole store and understand what that is. Even when it came into my oldest son um, that came into the dealership, I'm like, well, it's like, well, you start, you know, you start the basics, you got to work your way up and, and that's not for everyone. So starting in the service or the sales um, porter isn't going to give everyone to the next generation to understand what this business is and how many different intricate businesses are within it. So we really made an investment and said, okay, this is what we need to do. This is something that's important to us. We took the time out. Like you said, we collaborated with a couple of individuals that was really in our training facility and all this. And we, we specialized it in two, two avenues that we felt were important. We wanted to do a corporate one, which our corporate one literally is every two weeks. You do onboarding. You do a two-week onboarding with all of us and our training and our marketing and all, you know, the grassroots side of it. So you have that. But then you really go two weeks and you rotate within the store. So you go from your service department to sales department to an F&I department to the BDC department. So it really gives them the exposure and it gives them a hands-on experience of what it really takes to run a dealership and how many different departments that support the other departments. So it really gave them, um, it it was an opportunity. It really opened a lot of eyes for a lot of individuals. They had a mentor. Always we make sure they're mentors um, that they can help guide them through. So you'd never want them to get lost. Like this, like I said, we have 17 employees, but our facility I'm sitting in right now is over 300. So you'd never want that one person to get lost within it. Um, So we do that. And then we have the executive because it tends, um, to lean towards the junior seniors, but we never black it out or we never, we always are open. Um, but we have this executive one that actually is, okay, so somebody comes in and says, I have a marketing major or innovation design major, and I want to get in your media team. Well, yes. Well, why waste your whole summer going through department, 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 and you'll never get into the media department. It's not one of the rotations. So we get it. Or there's someone that says, I want HR, and that's all I want to do. And we have the HR department or, you know, F&I, like I want finance. I'm not sure which avenue I want to go in it. And we can specialize it for them. So it gives them the whole opportunity to spend the whole summer and what they already know that they're leaning towards and they're passionate towards. So um, those are the two programs we have. Is there, you know, from on your side of the operation in terms of managing it, do you, so all the interns get to rotate and kind of uh, find different mentors, but um, in, in helping other businesses that may want to do something similar, do you have like a dedicated 
uh, person at LaFontaine Automotive Group that handles all the in, this internship program, or like how how is the it, management done? So so the way it sits, so I'm on the team. Um, Savannah's on the team. She helps spearhead it, and then I have um, uh, three other individuals. So I have two in the media department that help that facilitate it. So um, Sam and Melanie, and then I have my trainer that runs my t- training department, Nick. So there's so many different parts about it for the onboarding training side of it, of understanding and going through what we do is because we have somebody, what we want to make sure is that they, they come and a lot of them are out of state or even within Michigan, they don't understand the size and scope of the stores. So if you're one intern that's coming into this store where you have, Oh my gosh, there's 300 people and it's crazy. And this culture and it's, you know, it's busy, busy, busy. Or you go on another store that's our, maybe our first acquisition and there's maybe 25 employees and it's, you know, smaller base and all this. So what we want to make sure is that they all are keep them connected and have them they can you know use themselves for resources we go on the first two days they go through a drive and they literally go on the tour of all of our facilities and understand and we make sure that this is your mentor so they are like okay you know tom smith or whatever your name is this is this is your store let me connect you to your mentor so when you come here after your onboarding this is who you're going to be talking to Uh and this is your first day of what it looks like where to park because some of them is overwhelming with parking where to park what you do and this is who you're going to see the first day you come out there so we really paved the way to make sure that there's no um anxiety or miscommunications we really want to make sure that we take any of the barriers out and we give them the best experience but in saying that, I always tell the students, I open the doors and Ryan, I open these doors for you, but you also, what you get out of this is what you put in. So you have to make a vested interest of like, hey, someone didn't tell me to do something today and you're sitting there. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to be like, hey, I finished this project. Let's, what else, what else can I learn? What else can I do? That's what's going to grow. And that's what's going to define you and, and your experience. Not, um, you know, it has to go both ways. You know, which, yeah, which kind of goes back to your philosophy on how you also invest in, you know, the community when you sponsor something, you also want to be able to have representation there. So again, it's always, it's always just, if you're going to do something, be involved in it, invest your time in it so that you can get the most out of it. Very much so. And I love one of my favorite days of the whole year. It might, one of my favorite within the business side of it is when they do their departure and they have to put on their presentation. So they have group presentations that they work together on a project that we decide whatever the topic is. And then they have their individual one. And I literally bring my notebook and I handwrite every single thing that we can think of because they're the ones helping me define the next year. They're the ones, their input and their insight is really helping me define what the future of automotive is and what the future buyer is and what this looks like. I learn more from that day than any other day that I just really thrive on that aspect of it. So we do um, both Ryan and I sit in it and it's, you know, we, you know, the first year we're like, Oh, I was just a, you know, I know what this person wants for this is this. I'm like, Oh, that's not good. You know, these kids will tell you. So, you know, he called out one of his managers. I'm like, did you have him go get you a coffee? I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you know, so I love it. So they have the best personalities there. They just have this energy that's in this room that by the end of the day, it's just, contagious. Are you going to turn it into some sort of shark tank uh, presentation kind of, you know, something where they can actually pitch you a business? You know, I think it's like our own, like, yeah, I know. You never know. You know, we're always open. Like I said, we talked, it really is our own focus group. Like it really is what we want to talk about, what's important, what's relevant, whether it's an app, whether it's, you know, facing the upcomings, you know, electronics in the, within it, within, or the new latest and greatest, you know, like a car, you know, Carvana aspect of it. So mm-hmm. what is it? How do we overcome it? Um, what's 
your perspective on your level and your insight, because sometimes you get in it like any business, you get in your cloud and you think, well, sometimes this is the way we've always run it. We've done this, we've done this, we understand it, but we're not understanding what's coming up behind us or what new technology is coming forward at us. And we have to be ready for it. We adapt to change very well. And we hope that we're always forward thinking, but it's moving fast. Yeah. <laughs> like technology is moving fast. All right, Kelly, last question here for you. Uh, this is the time in the episode, business class listeners, that we get down to being a little bit more intimate as we get to know our guest here. And so we are at bedroom sessions, bedroom sessions where we get to get intimate with our guest here and we get to find out where their hearts, where their head lies at the you know core of them. So Kelly, my question to you is, what would you like to accomplish with your money that would be most meaningful to you. Now, I understand that we've kind of talked about a lot of things. I know that you're the founder of the You Can Survive organization. Yeah. But oh, you're taking away. I'm like, can't we find cancer? The cure of cancer would be amazing. <laughs> that is definitely amazing. But I, I almost, I, I, I maybe want to even take you away from everything. Maybe if you were to start all over, if you're just right now, if you're thinking about, man, where, where would I want to, invest all of my money that would be the most meaningful thing to me what what comes to mind and you took away my nonprofit. um i think the most meaningful like you said i love watching people grow i love the aspect of um my mom you know is my mentor my inspiration she was a pioneer in uh, automotive industry you know she was truly a trailblazer she opened up so many doors for us and the way she made and touched so many lives. If there was a way that I could encompass that or empower that or carry on her legacy, um, that would be the most to me. So family 100% is family's first. We always say that our, our motto is family, the family deal. But if there was a way to, um, to honor her, to um, carry out her legacy of empowering more women, um, like we have close to 600 uh, women right now that we currently employ, but I love to see it grow. Um, I love to be mentors, like you said, and watching people grow. I really thrive on that. So if there was a way to um, get that connected. I would besides okay. saving the world of cancer. Besides, <laughs> besides cancer. Yes. Besides the problem of cancer, but yes. uh, that's, that's actually very uh, heartfelt to, you know, carry on your mom's legacy. You, you've spoken about your mom quite a, a bit. Uh, on this episode yeah. alone, I mean, obviously she was very uh, dear to you. She was my best friend. Um, I was, uh, like I said, my mentor, my inspiration. Um, she was my maid of honor. She was my everything. She was a second mom to my children. I had children young and she really helped uh, raise them with me. Um, she was my business partner, my mentor. Um, we shared an office. So every day uh, we got to thrive on each other, you know, the challenges that we face or anything that we do and uh, empower each other and just, you know, um, you, it was, I am forever, ever, ever, ever grateful for um, having her in my life and touching me. And like I said, my, my mission, it really is to carry on her legacy. So we created a spirit award um, that is here for my mom. So we actually have each individuals that can go through all the stores that it's called Maureen LaFontaine Spirit Award. And what it is, is it honors people that exude her um, characteristic traits. So anything positive and another meant another, um, person has to nominate you. So within the organization and uh, we actually, she created um, the Christmas program because she worked with 
lot of men that did not save money. So she created a Christmas bonus program. So she helped them save money and matched it. So we carry that on. And at that day, we, uh, we honor these individuals and personalize them to their needs and surprise them and to giving a porter a new truck that he had no clue he was cleaning, putting on the showroom that, you know, to anything, just recognizing another woman that, you know, inspires so many others. So that is something we'll always do as well. So aside from the problem of cancer, which you are, which you're investing a lot of time and money on already, wanting to continue your mother's legacy of the barriers she was able to break down as a woman to encourage other women to be successful, live, live an independent life, to encourage others to hopefully be inspired or motivated by your mother's personality as well. As you had said, I think she was a four foot 11 blonde firecracker. Very um, much so. So, th- so, th- th- so those would be something, th- those would be kind of like the, I guess the core tenets of maybe again, bigger initiatives you would want to look to either be a part of, or again, where you'd want to give your money towards mm-hmm. that again, embodied your mother very much so that's beautiful that is beautiful I, I love to hear how your relationship with your mother was that close and intimate and special that's that's uh that's pretty meaningful uh, very much so well kelly thank you for being on the show thank you for disclosing yes. all this information i appreciate your honesty i appreciate your energy and i wish you all the best wish you all the luck and success in 2021 wish you a great acquisition year <laughs> thank you very much Stay tuned. You'll follow along. You'll know what's coming up next. I will be following along. And listeners, I'll be sure to put on the episode page where you can find Kelly as we end every episode. Cheers. Prost. Lchaim. Kipis. Nastravi. Salud. Kampai. Mabrut. Dutsins. Gambe. Yamas. Nastrovie. Vos. Salute. And saugi to the customer experience. Business class listeners, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Wisco Weekly. If you are listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, please do me a huge favor. Leave a rating and a review. I'll be the first person to tell you, I don't even care if you don't leave a five-star rating or a positive review. Yeah, that's how I roll. I'll be the first podcaster to sh- I'll be the first podcaster to share this with you. I'm not even looking for a five star rating or or a positive. I'll be the first podcaster to share this with you in that I'm not even looking for a five star review. I'll be one of the first podcasters to share this with you in that you do I'll be one of the first podcasters to share this with you. And that is, I'm not even looking for a five-star rating or a positive review. I would just encourage you to leave a rating and review that is most appropriate for what you've just consumed. Thank you in advance, because it does mean the world to me. Be sure you're subscribed to the show, and we'll talk to you next week.